Wheel of Time Watchers. I am one of your hosts, Clayton, joined as always by the famous Taviran Jesse. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. We've got a lot to talk about, I think. Tonight we're going to be discussing, this is our actual debut episode. We did have an episode before this, but it was more like a introductory episode where we introduce ourselves to the audience, talked about our love of this book series, what we expected from what we were expecting from the uh, upcoming show at that point. But now we're in full swing. We're going to review the first three episodes because they all dropped at once. Uh, We will do our best to respect your time and ours. Um, But I think that it'll be best to do it all in one episode. And I don't think that we'll get too carried away. We kind of discussed how long we wanted to go before we started. And I just briefly mentioned, I th- I think if we broke it down into like an episode per or just like deep dove into each episode like on its own, it would get a little repetitive because I think the main point of what we're probably going to say is going to reign true through all three episodes. So I think we can just wrap it all up into one ep- neat episode and uh, not not take too much time. Uh, before we jump into that, though, this is the Wheel of Time Watchers. We are a product of the Nerdosphere. If you like what we do uh, and you're on an Apple device, scroll down and give us a five-star rating. We are a brand-new podcast from the Nerdosphere, uh, so reviews really help get us out in front of new listeners. So if you like our discussion on the Wheel of Time... Um, or if you're a fan of the Nerdosphere uh, content in general, give us a, a review on Apple devices so we can get in front of new ear holes. Uh, if you're not on an Apple device, just be sure to listen and share with your friends, families, coworkers, acquaintances. Um, and be sure to check out our other content. You can find all of our podcasts, uh, links to them over at nerdosphere.com. So, without further ado, let's just jump into it because we've got a ton to say. Um, I think we'll kind of go with our normal Nerdosphere um, playbook um, strategy as far as reviewing goes. We'll give an overarching, uh, spoiler-free thought on what we've watched whether we recommend it, whether we don't, our feelings without spoiling anything. And then uh, we'll dive deep into spoiler territory. And when we say spoiler territory, remember this podcast is being hosted by two people who have read this book series and adore it. We've read it, both read it multiple times. Jesse, I think, said read it three or four times. I've read it four times, I know. And I'm on my fifth read-through uh, right now, uh, trying to make sure that my knowledge is fresh as we compare it to the show. Um, but yeah, so know that we may not only spoil the show, but if you haven't read the book, we may inadvertently spoil some things for the book series or for what's upcoming um, in the show. So just keep that in mind uh, as we go forward. But that is the premise of this podcast. We're reviewing it. Uh, it's a spoiler review from people who have read the books. So um, I have talked enough in this introduction. So Jesse, why don't you get us started? Just give us a general, what are your thoughts? 
Man. Okay. So something to note going into this, I want to throw out there that part of the reason we, as I've reached out to you and said a little bit behind is because I was actually finishing the first episode with my girlfriend, Alyssa. And I, the reason I'd done that is she had not seen or not read the wheel of time series. She had maybe, I think her and I had made it about eight hours into the audiobook for the eye of the world coming back from Colorado one year. Okay. So she had a general understanding of characters and all of that type of stuff, which kind of gave me a little bit of insight onto what she thought coming out the other side. And so my initial thoughts here um, are, I, it was actually something I said. So to kind of give a little tease here, something I'm going to start doing here. And I talked to you a little bit about this Clayton is I'm going to start doing live reactions to the video or to the episodes. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start posting them on TikTok. I'm going to have a YouTube channel, all that good stuff. And, uh, and obviously I'll be doing this with the Nerdosphere, all that good stuff here. But I, something I said during the first like 15 minutes of the first episode was I am bummed because I'm liking it more than I think that I should from a fantasy film standpoint, but I'm bummed because it's not what I wanted it to be. So I enjoyed this, the first three episodes from a film standpoint and from a TV show standpoint, I think the pacing was actually pretty decent. Um, I thought the cast having known them outside of maybe a couple exceptions, Lan being one of them in particular, um, I felt like the casting was actually really good um, coming out the other side, which surprised me because I wasn't a huge fan when I was looking at them on paper. Uh, so, but knowing the personality that they're bringing to it and that I, the personality that I've gathered from the books, I'm actually okay with a lot of it. But with that being said, that's because I felt like they did well within the parameters that they were given. So from a wheel of time standpoint, not a huge fan. Uh, there are too many glaring issues for me where it almost felt like they gave us they tried to give us just enough to be like, Hey, we're giving, like we're paying homage to you here for this without actually staying true to what they should have stayed true to mm-hmm. where they like sprinkle breadcrumbs across without actually like offering anything substantial for me to grasp onto. And that's where the frust- frustration for me comes from where I can sit here and I will recommend this to my friends to watch from a cinematic standpoint. I won't, recommend this to wheel of time fans and that's exactly like that's where i'm at right now unfortunately so that's my general thought process and obviously i'll be able to elaborate that on that more when we get into spoiler territory but good deal uh so i'm i'm almost right there with you uh from just a show standpoint though i disagree just a little bit i actually kind of thought the pacing kind of was clunky I felt like, and maybe this is just because I know the lore, maybe it felt that added to this feeling of being rushed, but then at the same time, it was also kind of slow at times, which it was just strange to me. So knowing what should be laid out as the foundation, that aspect felt rushed, but then there were other normal aspects that just felt like it was just a little slow. So I was confused as to why we had to rush some things when other things were like so slow. Um, I kind of feel like this is on the same level as like the Witcher season one, where ultimately you want more 
but there was a lot to it that was like, man, I really wish they had not done that or done it this way kind of stuff. So it's, it's an, it's okay from a show standpoint for me. Um, I, I've, I've been saying in my head mediocre, but I think it's better than mediocre. I think it's an okay show. Um, from just like, if you're looking for a fantasy show, it's, it's okay. You know, you'll probably enjoy it more likely than not. Um, I did kind of feel like, uh, I wondered where they spent their $10 million per episode because, and I'm wondering if it all just went to like getting on location, but even though the set, like the locations were very beautiful, but the way the show was crafted and put together, it almost felt so disjointed that it felt like when me and Corbin were trying to like film, uh, uh, this short that we tried to do years ago called the white day. And we were trying to like utilize like one area of woods from like different angles to make it seem like we were in different areas. That's what it felt like to me here. It felt like they were in one spot that had like woods here, rocks here, uh, plains here and mountains here. And they just like turned the camera and we were supposed to feel like they were way far away from where they originally were. Um, and, and the the effects were just like a little lacking. Um, the Trollocs, which are like this world's orcs, I don't think it's spoilery to talk about them because they're in the trailers and stuff. Yeah. Um, the even their design left a little bit to be desired. Like not that their costumes were bad, but we're at a point now in 2021 <laughs> where yep. we expect movie quality, if not better, sometimes for a TV show. And when you're getting $10 million per episode, it shouldn't look like a costume from like Angel or Buffy. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is, uh, this is going to sound weird as we approach the 20th anniversary of Lord of the Rings uh, debuting in theaters. It's weird to me that the orcs can look so good in Lord of the Rings 20 years later And then we have what we see with the Trollocs where Mm -hmm. I felt like it was this weird thing. Like this is going to sound really weird, but at one point when one of the Trollocs like runs by on it's like, I guess hooves or goat legs, whatever. I thought of Mr. Tumnus from the Chronicles of Narnia. Like that was (laughs) like the actual thought that I had when he sprinted across in front of the screen. I was like, really? That's the best we've got. Yeah. It was Um, very very strange. And when they, They made them go down on all fours sometimes, which is okay from somebody who's a fan of the books and understands what Trollocs are. But the version that we get in the show, which are basically just like evil, um, you know, whatever. Monsters, yeah. Right, yeah. They all have goat feet. mm -hmm. So it's strange for them to go on all fours based on that. I don't know. It's just... yeah. I agree with you. And I think this is actually a really good breaking point for us to have a, we kind of gave our initial thoughts. And I think for us to elaborate on this a little bit more, we probably need to go into some spoilers here. Um, so if you're okay with it, I'm okay. Kind of diving a little bit deeper and giving the audience a little bit of a second to step away if they need yeah, to. Yeah, I'm good. I'd say just as we kind of transition there and people can start pulling away. If you're, if you like fantasy, if you liked the Witcher, if you like, 
you know, Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, you will probably enjoy this. This show is probably not going to blow you away, but it's also probably worth watching. Um, so that's that's my general takeaway from it. So, but I agree. If you're a fan of Wheel of Time, you better prepare yourself going into this. Prepare. Uh, so. Yeah. So, like I said, I'll just go ahead and dive right in. Where an actual so. The thoughts from my girlfriend having come out of the first episode was she read, she summed it up perfectly where she said, who are these people and why should I care? Because you get this weird sped up version where they're not giving the original wheel of time audience enough to be happy with, but they're also not giving the average non educated wheel of time viewer enough to be happy with either so you, mm-hmm. you're kind of like treading this really fine line where people who don't know wheel of time and that's what i mean by uneducated i don't mean that you like don't have an education by uneducated i mean you're you're lacking knowledge in the wheel of time books you're giving them almost nothing to like latch on to and you're almost setting it up to need an understanding of the characters coming into this but then you're also doing a bad job with elaborating on what we want to see from a wheel of time perspective. And there's actually something while I was watching the video, an actual like paragraph out of my mouth was it was when they were lighting the lanterns. I said, at this point in the show, I want to care about these characters more than I should, because I know who they are, but a normal viewer of fantasy television show will have no idea why they should care about any of them. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem because we're at that point, you're like 35 minutes into the episode. And I wouldn't be surprised if half the audience didn't know their names at that point. Yeah. Which feels so like they don't, they don't talk about Rand's dad. Like I think they maybe mentioned Tam Althor one time, but you don't know who an Althor is. Like you don't know Rand's last name is Althor. So like, it's so weird to me that when I went into it, I was sitting there and I'm like, man, I want to care about these characters, but there's so much that was missing that left it a little lackluster. And I just am throwing it out there. I messaged you this, where the hell is the braid tugging? It is such a weird, small characteristic that shouldn't have been left out. Yep. It's not there. It's, I completely agree. This has, maybe one of the worst openings to a series ever. Yeah. It's like by the time you get to episode, and it's a damn good thing they released all three of these together, I think, or the general audience would be like, they wouldn't come back. I can almost guarantee it. And I know that may sound like going against what we said earlier when we said you, we would suggest this to the casual viewer, but you really do need to be able to binge past the first episode to care at all about this show. And you hit the nail on the head in a way that I don't think I could have articulated. They, they rush for both audiences. They don't give enough for, um, book series to say, yes, these are the characters finally on screen the book book fans are thinking, okay, why do we do this? Why is this? Why is that? And the general audience, I think, is thinking, who are these people? <laughs> because you're right. We don't get anything. Yeah. We don't get anything. And what we do get is such a strange, stark contrast to what we get in the book. Matt's family, 
they're his mom and dad are pieces of shit which is they are amazing people in the books the 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 issue with so and they i'm gonna stammer but i i see people um rafe judkins in particular but also um uh fans trying to justify some changes well this is because the audience the general audience needs to understand these characters because we don't have a whole book to like uh flesh them out beforehand and i get that but you're taking away i don't think the mat that we get in this episode i guess is what i'm trying to say is the mat that we see in eye of the world because the mat that we see in eye of the world is being raised by a loving family uh whose dad is um a pillar in the community and helps uh, Tam Althor later on with, you know, the war that ends up happening in the two rivers. Um, And Matt, we really, I think need, need to see go from like this prankster, immature kind of person into what he becomes later on. And that's not what we're getting. We're already getting like a mature, I'm now forced to like look out for my family because my parents aren't kind of thing. And I mean, I guess that's okay, but it's not the Matt that we know from the books. So I don't know that we're going to get the same payoff in the long run if we don't see that growth because he's already been like forced into um, a role or a personality that he would have grown into like way later. Yeah. And it's weird because again, so this is something I said to you when you asked for initial thoughts was having watched all three episodes, I understand why they did what they did with the characters, but I don't like it. So like Perrin, for example, is I have talked about this with a couple of people I know. Perrin is a perfect example of how you can cultivate a good character within a book series over the first half, maybe two thirds of the first book where you're instilling this turmoil within him because he's been brought up as his character who's self-conscious of himself because he's always been hurting people and all of this where he feels like a bull in a china shop. So he has this inner struggle of wanting and trying to figure out where the line is to actually hurt somebody with weaponry or to go the blacksmith route. So -hmm. you have that, which is developed very well over the first book. And how do you do that in a show? Well, you establish or give him some bullshit storyline where he's married and then kills his wife early on to establish that he does in fact hurt people. And that's where the difference comes in, where from a film standpoint, I understand why they did what they did because I know both sides of the story. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know the book and now I see the TV show. So it makes sense to me why they went this route in a compressed or condensed story, but it sucks. Like it's, it, it's bad from the idea that, you could have easily done it this way, like a, like option a, and instead you went option B and it, again, it doesn't mean anything to you when you haven't established why I should care about this character in the first place. So mm-hmm. you see Perrin kill his wife from a non wheel of time standpoint. And you're like, well, I didn't like know who Perrin was anyways. So why am I upset that he killed his wife? That like my girlfriend had literally missed that they were married. Like didn't like talked about like, the the scene at the forge where they're talking about saying like I love you and she's mm-hmm. like I know and all this type of stuff but the fact that she didn't see that means that there's something wrong 
Like the average viewer isn't picking up on this. So why do it where you're pissing off both fan groups now because you feel like you should care, but you don't. And then the other group is they don't know why they should care. Yeah. And it's frustrating. But again, it's the same with Matt. You want people need to know that Matt's a quote unquote scoundrel. Like they talk about him in the books all the time, but he's a scoundrel for the reasons of just playing pranks and doing like things that aren't harmful to the community overall. Right. Yeah. And now you have this like deadbeat family, which is almost taking place of like the Copland and Congers, I think is what their names are. And all of a sudden it's the Cawthons that are like the town drunk. That's like so weird. Like the town drunk and low life. Like it's so bizarre to me. It, and they, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. What I think what's strangest about this, Jesse, is I can also look at it and say, okay, I can understand why they decided to go this route. What's frustrating is, especially since they are self-proclaimed wheel of time, you know, fanatics, lovers of this, of the series, you could have stayed almost true to the book and still gotten that, uh, same development because when you really, uh, look and people, people all the time say, you know, this is a 14 series book, you know, each book has 800 plus pages and blah, blah. Okay. I get that. But a lot of that is description. A lot of that is inner monologue that you can show in a split second with body language. So you can, I'm all for an understanding of streamlining a story. Dune did it. This new Dune did it perfectly. Lord of the Rings did it perfectly. This is not a good example of that. We see Perrin and Matt, they are consciously making changes, not shortening or condensing, making changes that they think will represent their characters, but it doesn't, in my opinion, especially when you could, in these same three episodes, let's use Perrin as an example, in these same three episodes, you don't introduce a character that is doesn't exist in the books, so that way you don't have both book fans and new fans wondering why they should care about this character. Um, and you just do the same thing, but condense it down. So Perrin, they go to Shadar Logoth. He gets lost. They run into the White Cloaks. That's when they run into the White Cloaks instead of accelerated like it was in the show. We see that same kind of battle where he's forced to kill because in the books, that's where that turmoil starts. And I don't understand why that couldn't have been in the show. Yeah. Because we, we've... So I'm listening to it right now, and I'm a little more than halfway, and they're with Elias and the Tinkers right now. So we've in three episodes, we've gone through half the book. So I feel like if we ha- if we remove what they added for no reason and put in what should stay, which you know, Perrin killing White Cloaks, Matt being a little bit of a prankster, that we didn't get more death at all. Um, which disappointed me right because that's going to make you know how's that going to make sense later with pat on fane and stuff yeah but we can talk more about that in a minute but if you took out the whole whole all of the scenes with Perrin and his wife and took that time and put it after shadar shadar logoth fighting white cloaks and killing and that's when the turmoil begins i feel like you do a better job of establishing where Perrin's going to go and you set up both fan, you know, current fans and new fans 
better, I yeah. think. But, you know, I mean, again, I understand why they felt they had to do this. I just feel like a lot of times these people get it in their heads like, okay, this is an adaptation. So how are we going to make this ours? How are we going to translate this to a modern audience when you don't necessarily have to? You don't have to make that property yours. You just have to tell the same story. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at with this so far. So. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I agree with you. Uh, And I think you and I see eye to eye on a lot of this where uh, maybe I'm seeing it more from a slightly more optimistic standpoint than you are, because there were things that I enjoyed. I'll be honest, like there were a couple of things that I held on to that I was like, okay, like, again, if the casting had been wrong on a lot of these characters, I think I probably would have dropped interest even faster but because the casting i think especially for rand moraine and i can even see Egwene at this point having been correct um and lan in of in and of himself i don't feel like other than physically is a little bit wrong um other than that he plays the character well it's kind of weird that they kind of play on the idea that Moraine and Lan have a romantic interest because they bathe together in the beginning, which I thought was very odd. So I saw interviews and talk, and the point of that, if you can believe it, is to show that they have a platonic relationship. So they bathe together, but there was no touching, no kissing, no sex. Um, So it... I, it was meant to show that they have no secrets. They're completely comfortable with each other. And it was also supposed to show that there is no romantic relationship, which I I, th- I read this and I think Rafe is the one who said that. And I read it. I was like, how you put them naked in a bathtub together. Yeah. And that's how you're going to portray that they're not interested in each other. <laughs> like I just, yeah. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I agree because I, having heard that, I, again the film person inside of me after having heard that okay that makes sense i didn't pick up on that but i could see why they went that route but at the same time in my opinion it almost feels like it's forcing a relationship like they're so comfortable with each other because they've been together for so long that Mm -hmm. they're okay taking a bath together all this type of stuff uh did you and, also get, before we get too far from yeah. this, did you also get a weird vibe when Perrin was looking at Egwene and yes. then like Nynaeve was like, where's your wife? And then he's like, kind of looked at Egwene and was like, give her my best and then went. And then yeah. they had this conversation where like, you know, I love you. And like, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it's, I think what's weird about that again is because you have this weird in the books. I, I feel like you get a little bit of it when um, they end up, on the other side of the river together after Shadar Logoth, all of this, where there's this like almost like budding relationship from a friendship standpoint, mm-hmm. where it almost feels like a Gwaine is looking to Perrin in a different light than what he interpreted everyone sees him as. So you feel like there's that like brother sister esque bond going on right there, where it's, he's kind of like, oh, somebody's seeing me for the first time. Like there, he's not, she's not thinking I'm some dumb oaf from the Two Rivers is only good at wielding a blacksmith hammer. She's actually like at this point, and it's funny. I got in the car today and started the Wheel of Time again to see where I had left off because I'd started my uh, fifth listen to of the Wheel of Time months ago, and then ended up moving on to the Mistborn series. And I literally stopped 
when they're they met the tinkers like that's actually where the book picked up and i was like oh okay like this is right where the show left essentially yeah and so it was weird but again you see everything that they're doing and you see this weird ideology behind it where they're trying to instill something from the book into these characters but they need to understand unfortunately need to understand that the average audience probably won't have read most of the books like Mm -hmm. unfortunately in a day and age where media and film is so important i would bet you 70 percent of the people that are watching this probably don't know what the wheel of time is and that seems weird to say but i think that's the audience that is watching this and with the lack of shows like game of thrones and the witcher being on hiatus right now because the second season hasn't dropped yet all that type of stuff you're left with like they're trying to capture the fantasy audience mm-hmm. but the fantasy audience as a whole like a lot of i mean i i'm guilty of it i didn't read the game of thrones books so i watch game of thrones but have never read them and so it feels weird to be hitting on stuff in the show as almost like breadcrumbs to be like hey wheel of time fans here's this for you like perfect example when Tam Althor pulls the heron marked blade out of the sheath, they focus on the heron for a second. That means nothing to anyone nothing. other than Wheel of Time's fans. And they don't mention it. They exactly. Don't, they don't have Land mention it. They don't have – part of the reason the book is so good is because there's all these foreshadowing breadcrumbs. breadcrumbs. So, And we get none of that in the book. We don't have yeah. Land commenting on it. We don't have Tom commenting on it. We don't have Ran- the White Cloaks commenting on it. We don't have – you know, everybody's commenting on these Heronmark blade. So you start to think, okay, this means something. This means something. We're not getting that. So I, I think I think you said it perfectly. This – They've almost got themselves in this terrible hole where the only way you can actually fully understand and fully care about what's going on is if you've read the book. But the changes that they've made for the general audience hurt that, hurt that audience, and it's not enough to pull in the other audience. So they're in this weird void in the middle, Mm -hmm. and they haven't quite figured it out and i'm hoping that that's just it's just going to be a fumbling opening and as we continue through this series it just gets better and better and we now that we've introduced the characters we can just hit the ground running and you know get to the big points that we need to get to uh so we're about halfway through um do we want to talk about some specific things that were differing that we didn't like or what what were you what are you thinking um, I can kind of go either way on this because I feel like we've kind of hit on the idea that neither fan base is probably as happy as they should be at this point. Um, and I, I think it would be worth diving into maybe some of the specifics that really, because I'm, I'm interested to hear what specifically turned you off the most having watched this versus me on the other hand, where there were a couple of things that I've latched onto that I'm like, Hey, that's okay. Like it's, enough to make me want to continue watching it and holding out a little bit of hope. Yeah. Uh, But like, like what were kind of some of the bigger things for you that you felt like they really missed on that maybe would have, if they could have gotten a couple of them, right. Would have maybe turned the tide a little bit for you. Sure. Uh, Well, Matt and Perrin, but we've already dove deep into that. So I won't bring that up again. Um, I think the next biggest thing uh, was Shadar Logoth. I, 
I don't think that we got what we should have from that. Uh, we don't see Mordeth at all. Um, so we don't have that experience and we know that that's huge going forward. Um, they also changed instead of it being a mist, it was like that weird black moss, which I don't, yeah. there are just little things that they changed that has to be a conscious change that I don't understand. Why not do mist? Because yeah. you probably could have saved some money that you obviously, you know, you, you're getting 10 million an episode, but you're spending on who knows what. <laughs> so maybe save a little bit of money and ma- actually make it missed. So it's yeah. a little bit cheaper and it's more book accurate. But, um, and then the next, I didn't like that Tom was introduced so late because if we continue to go, uh, the way the book would follow, we're, we're not going to get him for very long before he, um, takes a little bit of a break from the book. We think he gets killed by a fade protecting the boys and then we see him uh way later and but it, but we that's after we've already learned to love Tom we look, we see Tom as a protector as a father figure for the boys um and then he seemingly sacrifices himself uh to protect the boys and then we find out you know he comes back later and becomes a huge character uh especially for Rand later so it's strange to me that we get him so late uh, in this introduction. And I also don't like how we're kind of like the journey is like out of order. So we're not even to Barillon yet. So we haven't met men. We haven't gotten the, uh, foreshadowing of her visions. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, are we, are they all going to meet up in Barillon and that's going to be where they meet up. And then we, they're all together when they go to Camelin. Are we, I don't know. And then there's some major, minor characters that we have yet to see and i'm afraid that we're not gonna see them uh bail domon we haven't seen yet which at this point yeah. in the book we have uh but maybe we'll see that in the next episode because they've just now met tom so they're now yes. fleeing this town so maybe we'll see bail domon in the next episode uh we haven't seen elias yet and i'm starting to think that we won't which is ridiculous because elias is as big a character later on as aram is and we see aram yep. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe that's just also taken out of order. Maybe, uh, the, the tinkers will notice that the wolves are like following or being friendly to Perrin. They'll be like, Hey, you should meet our friend Elias. And then that's how they meet. Maybe we'll get it that way. Um, and then I'm super scared that another major minor character, uh, was introduced and we may not see them later. Uh, Gaul when we first meet him in the books, he's captured in a cage. Yep. And Perrin, uh, this is the first time we see uh, an Aiel in the books, and Perrin meets him and kind of decides he's got this turmoil inside, whether he should let him go or not, and he decides to free him, and that's kind of what starts this relationship with Gaul later on. Um, the, that's the only time we see an Aiel in a cage. But we see an Aiel in a cage in episode three, He's dead, and we get the same sort of introduction to the Aiel using this dead Aiel in a cage in the show that we got with Gaul in a cage uh, in the book series. So I'm really scared that because that's so specific, that that is Gaul, and we're not going to actually get Gaul um, in the show, which as yeah. you know, from our introductory episode, he's like one of my favorite characters. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it has me questioning 
if they're going to do the IEL right to begin with. Um, because I even went the, I, I kind of had the same reaction, but with two other side characters. And it was main, and by two other side characters, I mean, the introduction to Perrin being married early on kind of sent me down that same spiral that you were on with Gaul, where because they decided to introduce Perrin as a married person, and this is the term, turmoil that it creates, it almost makes me wonder if they're going to play as much on Fael being a character. Yeah. And if Fael's left out of it, are we going to get the Davram Bashir that we deserve? Right. Where it's kind of the same thing, where it's that snowball effect because things were wrong in the beginning can they correct it in a way that makes sense to introduce these characters that mean so much to you and I, and I would assume to the average wheel of time fan, they mean something to them as well. And I'm just not sure. And that's what's frustrating to me coming out the other side is it's annoying to see this, where these are things that could have been easily fixed if handled the correct way. And it kind of leaves you wondering, I mean, we've mentioned it multiple times with the $10 million an episode. Why are we getting this? Like it almost feels like there isn't an excuse for this. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so I agree. I couldn't agree with you more where the pacing seems odd from, I think that's like the hardest thing that I'm coming across right now is there's part of me that understands the pacing and why they're doing what they're doing. Because I think if you were going to have done this differently, and this is, might be a shocker to you. I think the story would have been told just as well, skipping book one. I know that sounds very odd, but from a standpoint of they spend a lot of time figuring out who the dragon reborn is and wanting to leave this weird mystery thing going on where you don't know where if we had just established Rand is the dragon reborn and then spent the first season going back and maybe showing about how we got where we're at. I think that would have accomplished as much as what these first three episodes have. You know what? That's not a bad idea. You almost could have spent the first episode introducing like imagine it opening like the second book opens they're in um um shinar yeah and that he's training with lan and we get like some sort of maybe moraine's narrating like we found the dragon reborn it was a long process you know blah, blah blah and then maybe we get a flashback for an episode or two that brings us to the eye of the world confrontation and then we just jump right into the story at large that's not a that's not a bad idea i mean if you're gonna condense it down yeah maybe just go for it and condense it the fuck down (laughs) exactly and again i if i hadn't seen the first three episodes and somebody had come to me and told me what i wanted to see out of the first three episodes of this from a standpoint of the like, like if somebody had been like, here's a blank slate, tell me how you would tell the story of Wheel of Time in a condensed seven or eight episodes or seven or eight season TV show. I don't know that I would have thought about that, but because of how poorly I feel like the character development of the first three episodes went, I think that that could have made for something that would have made more sense. Exactly having Moraine narrate the introduction of each of these characters and even talk about like, 
These are the characters you know. This is what they've gone through. This is where they're at now. We know Rand is the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Um, let's not waste time explaining that. And I think what's so frustrating about this whole like mystery thing going on with who the Dragon Reborn is, it doesn't need to be there. So now you're like wasting an entire season of this like weird buildup to who the Dragon Reborn is. When if you just give me who the Dragon Reborn is, it doesn't change the next twelve books. No. Like. Not at all. Yeah, so I don't know. It and is also, what it is. Your fear, you brought it up. Um you feared that adding Egwene and then they even say we kind of said that Nynaeve might have been a part of it, even though in the first two episodes it, they didn't mention their be Nynaeve being important, but the dark friend says she's been dreaming of the five of them, which leads me yeah. to believe that she's dreaming of Nynaeve. Um, and you were worried that that would undermine Nynaeve and Egwene in the long run if people, especially new viewers, uh, got behind, okay, are we going to, is Egwene going to be the hero of this story? I'm already seeing, I've got on Twitter and Facebook trying to see if I was alone in my thoughts, uh, what the people were thinking. And I saw several people tweeting, I, I'm, I was excited that the possibility of a the a female being the hero and then i looked it up and it's just a typical story where the male's the hero and yeah. they just they're undermining the characters i feel like people are going especially because it's so obvious in the writing uh that they are pushing this they almost we, we talked about it fearing that they would go too far and they almost have gone too far with trying to quote unquote modernize the uh, female and male relationships in the book because we now have it's blatantly obvious instead of it being a subtle balance um, that females are ruling this world so much so that Bran Alvere has been like castrated like the dude runs we only see him once and when we see him he's like oh i was so afraid like he's not like this stoic mayor of a town that everyone looks to character he's like been chopped down at the knees um but yeah we so i totally lost my train of thought uh but we you know we get this push so people are feeling okay females are in charge of this world maybe we're gonna get a female uh, hero and then they're going to find out nope we don't so yep. is that going to hurt the show going forward and i think it might yeah and it's it's it goes back to it's one thing if you don't have source material to work off of that you'd want to make this a mystery but in a day and age where somebody can go and look up who the dragon reborn is there's no reason to make it a mystery yeah and not only that, because what's the upside to it being a mystery for a season? There isn't a high upside versus just establishing, again, kind of sucks in this day and age where everything's so polarizing that there's another white male hero. But it is the way the books were written 20 years ago. It, it is, if you're going to do an adaptation of something that was written, you have to follow the adaptation to some extent. You can't yeah. just pick and choose what you want. And again, I went back to it in the pilot episode or whatever you want to call it, our 
first episode, our introduction episode, where it's frustrating to me when I look at the Wheel of Time as a whole. Yes, Rand is the main quote unquote hero. It's the one that's prophesied about, but he doesn't make it to the end without these other characters. Yeah. And I would say they do a better job in this book series talking about and propping these other characters up to be as impactful as the main character. Like Rand, again, because he has the title, The Dragon Reborn, he is put up on a pedestal that maybe the other heroes aren't, but without Perrin, without Matt, without Nynaeve, without Egwene, you don't have it. And I would even go back and say that Moraine is the hero that made all of this happen. She's the only one that changed what she was doing to find out who Rand was. Yep. And that to me amplifies the idea of a woman being front and center in something like this, where now you're going to have that fan base that wanted a woman hero and feeling like them becoming, especially in Egwene's point of view, becoming the Amarlin seat and becoming this powerful figure within the community mm-hmm. that literally turns the tide of the last battle because she's a badass. Yeah. You get this weird thing where people aren't going to care as much because they're like, Oh, well she's not the dragon. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think you hit it when you said the, the biggest issue here is that they felt they needed to make it a mystery and there's just no mystery anymore. You know, yeah. if, if you want to know, you're going to go look and it's going to yeah. get spoiled super quick, which, which is unfortunate. It's not like game of Thrones almost had, um, had protection in that sense because the books weren't done. Yeah. So like people knew up to a point, but they didn't know who like the actual prophesied heroes or heroes were. They didn't know how actually everything was going to go down. Whereas in this case, and it's the same within Lord of the Rings, it'd be like trying to hide who Aragorn is for yeah. a whole movie. Like let's call him Strider and not reveal anything about him for a whole movie. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, that would just be silly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I think you touched on a lot of things. I know we had kind of gotten back on the, the down the rabbit hole of what we thought that they missed from book to adaptation, but it's even more than that, where there are just too many things from the standpoint of a wheel of time fan that has taken me out of it. That has bummed me out again. I will still, watch it i will just hope that these again that maybe there were a stumbling block out of the gate we weren't really quite sure how to establish this character that character whatever so this is what we went with um and this is what we have now so i'm I'm hoping i'm hoping it goes up from here and who knows maybe the 10 million dollars per episode they spent 10 million over the first three episodes and now we're going to get something insane in right. the next five like you just never know i, I don't know where they delegated their i'm money. expecting the finale to be fantastic when they reach the I eye of the so. world it better be the dopest thing yeah. we've ever seen <laughs> yeah and because i another so this is one thing that took me out of it and it's funny that i this comparison was made in kind of a roundabout way for me i was on tiktok today and i stumbled across like this is like five unknown Harry Potter facts about filming. I didn't know that Voldemort, I know it was just a lack of remembering that Voldemort had been um, established with having red eyes in the books, which I didn't know, or I didn't remember anyways. Hmm. And they didn't give him red eyes in the TV show for the reason of making him feel more like a human. They wanted people to feel like he was, his origins came from humanity so he was a human that had been corrupted 
and let's just be honest, Ashamael is the weirdest looking thing in this. Like when oh, he yeah. shows up, it like it's so CGI'd that I'm like, why am I afraid of this? Like it, it yeah. yeah, it's like current season of Flash. Like we've seen tons of memes, the CW Flash. We've yep. seen tons of memes and TikToks about how bad the CGI and acting is in that show right now. It was that level of CGI. It was very bad. Yeah. And again, this goes into another thing that felt weird. An unneeded change that didn't make any sense is in the books, it's rats that spines are being cracked in front of Rand mm-hmm. and Perrin and Matt. Why add bats? Yeah, I don't like, know. What, what's the point? Like, That's- it doesn't... There are so many little things like that, Jesse, and we talked about it, about our anticipations um, that there seems to be just small changes for no reason, and I don't understand. I don't understand because I know what it's like to love this show. I know what it's like to love other content. So if me and you were in the writer's room and somebody suggested, because this is how it has to happen, okay, now they're going to have a dream and bats' spines are being broken, why yeah like why isn't somebody saying why in the book it says rats there's no point to change it like why don't we just keep it rats it just doesn't make sense there's tons of little 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 things like that that just don't quite make sense somebody had to make that decision (laughs) to change it (laughs) and i don't get it (laughs) and it's it's kind of going back to the aiel in the cage here where you know that they added the idea Aiel in the cage to show the red hair to give the breadcrumb that Rand is going to have something to do with the Aiel because he's the only red haired character that has shown up in the show so far. Then make it Gaul. Like, yeah. Why not just yeah. make it Gaul? Yeah. Like, if we don't, Gaul. if we don't get Gaul later, I'm going to be screaming this. Why didn't we just make that call and have him be a character? Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent convinced we're going to get the. Uh, relationship arc that we deserve with Rand and the three women of interest for him where I'm not 100% convinced that we're not going to have this weird underlying Egwene Rand storyline throughout. Throughout the whole thing. And part of that is I understand for all I know we won't meet Avienda until later which is the way that it actually works if I remember correctly we don't get Mm -hmm. her until after the eye of the world but the fact that we haven't heard anything about um avienda in any of the casting and so far the aiel is this like weird mythical character that took multiple men to slay when it wasn't when the aiel wasn't paying attention and all this kind of leads me to wonder if the aiel as weird as it could be are going to get the shaft here and but again that's the insecurity that's installed when you have this lack of commitment to being true to the source material yeah where every little thing that they change my brain immediately goes down the rabbit hole of well what if they did that because of this and then all of a sudden we're not going to get this and then we're not going to get this yeah where if you just honored a couple things early on for the wheel of time fans we could get at least i could i could get past the the oddities like i could have even as weird as this is going to say I could have gotten past Perrin being married if many other things hit the mark. Yeah. Because in my head, I would have thought, okay, this is their way that they're portraying his conflict of having the fear of killing too many people. And now I think what you described with the white cloak conflict, I think that would have been a better way to do it, but I could have understood. Right. And But it's because there's so many little things, and this is going back to the original question you asked, is it's hard for me to pinpoint one thing in particular because it all 
just amasses into one flaw, right? Where they didn't pay enough honor to us as wheel of time fans, but they also missed the mark for newcomers. And that's, what's so frustrating about it. Yeah. We can only hope that, like I said at the very beginning, that this has just been a clunky start. They really just didn't know how to properly let it loose on the world. And, you know, that's obvious. But maybe now that we've kind of gotten through this clunky beginning, it's just going to be uphill from here. So, like, the show is not, it's not bad. We said it at the beginning that, yeah, we would suggest this to... You know, it's an okay show. If you're into fantasy, you probably would enjoy this. If you're a Wheel of Time fan, you'll really prepare yourself before you go into it. I don't, like you said, I don't know if I could suggest this, um, yeah. but I'm I'm still interested. I still want to see more. I just really hope that it's that we can just chalk this up to just being a clunky beginning. Yeah, which if we've seen stuff in the past, I I would honestly. I was hyped for Game of Thrones because there was so much hype behind it by the time I got into it. I don't know that I would have felt the same way about season one of Game of Thrones if I had gotten into it when it came out, where I think looking back on season one of Game of Thrones, there was a lot of kind of like lackluster things that happened that you see this a lot. I mean, I would even argue like Dexter season one, while still good and all that type of stuff, it's nothing compared to the later seasons. Like like seasons two, three, four, and arguably seven i think if you skip over five and six but again this is a whole nother subject (laughs) um it took a while to ramp up as well so like i do think there's some wisdom in giving it some time yeah but it i think for you and i and for hopefully the fans that are listening to this that love wheel of time are in the same boat as us it stings because it's not what we wanted as wheel of time fans and i think that's what i keep trying to separate where it's like how much of this is disappointment because it wasn't what i wanted as a wheel of time fan versus how much of this is just disappointment because it wasn't a good show right yeah that's what i'm struggling with too man it's like is this really just a bad show or am I really just super disappointed? And I hope, you know, if you're listening to this and you enjoyed the show as a wheel of time fan, I would really like to know, you know, your thoughts behind that. If you wouldn't mind reaching out to us and letting us know, but also understand where we're coming from. We're not asking for a dedicated, I think one uh, review article that I read said, this is not, a show that is slavish to its interpretation. That's not what I'm looking for because Lord of the Rings isn't a slavish interpretation of the books. Dune, the new movie was not a slavish representation of the book, but it was those two are true to the book. They don't change things just to change them. And what the, the few, very few things that were changed in those two other adaptations were done for a reason and it was understandable and it doesn't take you out as a fan. You don't immediately as a fan watching it say, well, why'd they do that? And you like get completely removed from the show like this one was. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. I think that's where Jesse's coming from is we're not asking for a page to screen exact representation. We're just asking for them to stay true to the source material. And it seems like they're struggling to do that. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And it's, again, it comes down to you hit the nail on the head with this. Why change stuff that you don't have to when you already are going to change stuff that matters? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's exactly doesn't, right. Doesn't the little details sense. don't need to be changed. Yep. Like we're going to see Waygates soon. They don't yep. look like they do in the book. Why change it? I don't understand. <laughs> white cloaks. Yeah. I, I've said it before. The white cloaks don't look like they do in the books. Why? I don't yep. understand. Yep. It's, it's, it's a, it's all, it's all bizarre to me, but I'm still holding out hope. And there were enough positives to some extent that have me feeling hopeful that this is in fact, just a stumbling out of the gate and we'll see. I, I have lost the faith that they're going to do a faithful adaptation to wheel of time, but I do think it can get better. Uh, Agreed. Yeah, this is definitely, I am through like the initial growing pains. I now understand this is a all caps adaptation. (laughs) This is not the wheel of time. It is a wheel of time adaptation. I just really hope that we've gone through a clunky start and it's just going to get better going forward. So, but we are basically at our goal time of an hour. So do you have any final thoughts as we jet out of here? I don't think so. Other than, um, Check it out for yourself. While while I want you to value our opinions from a podcast standpoint, I also want you guys to cultivate your own thoughts for any of you that are listening, because I think there is enough there that people can have varying thoughts. Like, for example, I would love to talk to Ronnie about this at some point, because I think his opinion on it would be well um, a well-informed opinion, kind of like ours. So I kind of want to know where he stands, where I think this is one of those where it's worth checking out 100% would recommend to check out, but check it out with some hesitation in regards to, or maybe not hesitation, but don't ramp your expectations up to be wheel of time. Go into it saying a fantasy show that has the breadcrumbs of wheel of time and just take it at that and just hope it gets better from here. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we thank you for joining us in this week's The Wheel of Time Watchers. Again, we discussed the first three episodes and our thoughts behind it. Um, This week will be episode four dropping on Friday, unless they drop it early like they did for these. These dropped on Thursday evening, like early evening. Uh, So we may get these early again or this next episode early again. So uh, be watching for that episode next week where we will dive deep into that. But uh, until that, we will see you in the next one. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. (laughs) Exactly. Have a good one. Have a good one.